Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're putting the band back together. We're on a mission from God. Yeah, oh diggity, another edition of Dropping In. And, dude, this is the third episode in a row we're bringing on a South African. I'm getting tired of you people, but we also love you at the same time. It's a conundrum. Dropping In, the man. You know him as Duma, Damien Farrenford. Damien, how are you doing, brother? Dropping Good. In. Good, man. Thanks for having me. Who are uh, the other South Africans? Uh, John Thompson? And I want to know why I was third in line. Okay, that's, that's uh, John Thompson and uh, uh, Chris uh, British. So you got oh, you got okay, to paddle yeah. across the channel, and you got to be a world champ, I guess. I yeah. was about to say I haven't done anything nearly as uh, substantial <laughs> as those two. So <laughs> yeah, a former world champion and a former big wave champion. So uh, yeah. yeah, so you're in good company. Okay, are cool. you? Are you... I'm more opinionated than them. I think I will be. So well, the, they're nice guys. Oh, yes. I'm anticipating a very different approach because they, they're very grounded. They're very philosophical. Uh, I'm not saying you're not those things, but from what I've read about you, at least, you definitely have more of a wild side and you're much more uh, candid and truthful. Yeah, definitely none of those. So not much. Uh, <laughs> I'm about as shallow as a puddle. So. <laughs> so I guess first things first, and, and look, I know you and Omar know each other. Uh, oh, dog, I'm going to let you definitely control most of this. But I want to ask right off the bat, you know, you and I, Damien, or, or all three of us, I'm sorry, we all host surfing podcasts together on the Believe Podcast Network. You know, O-Dog and I, we have more of an interview-based type show where we, you know, do profiles and focus on people in the world who love the surf and who are some sort of greatness attributed to them. Uh, your, your podcast, I love the name of it. It's called Surf Center. I'm guessing it's a playoff sports center. You're going to be more informative on professional surfing. Tell us about your podcast and what that's going to entail. Yeah, so actually, I was originally going to call it Ragecast when I first started talking ah. with uh, Brian Houston's dam. And then Brian, you know, he's got a bit more professional. He said, hey, okay, <laughs> let's, let's bear with me here. Let's call it uh, Surf Center. It's a bit more universal. And then we can kind of cover everything, all the different aspects of surf. So my business and my business partner and I, Chad White, we have an agency uh, called Free Radicals. And we kind of work around surf. And our whole goal, as much as most of our income doesn't come from the surf industry, we still, you know, it's what we do every day and it's all we think about and all we talk about. So we thought, how can we incorporate this and kind of try, leave the surf industry in a slightly better place or have advice or kind of what would our approach be and how would our approach be differently to everything from the WSL to the campaigns that brands are doing to surf, to surf sponsorship and kind of a bit of everything. So it's all mm -hmm. surf encompassing. As the events start happening, we'll probably start doing live ones or during the event happening, if there's a controversial call, kind of dig into it. But it kind of is just more a broader, opinionated piece about the surf industry in general and kind of how do we write the ship because it's obviously going in the wrong direction. I think it was uh, going in the wrong direction long before COVID-19 happened. So I think there's no better time. <laughs> right, right. So, so are, we, are we thinking like a board of stand style or, you know, kind of like the early stab days? Um, you know, kind of give people an, an idea how, if they can relate. Yeah, probably early stab days, super opinionated, bringing on some controversial people. That's kind of in the word, in the works right now. Definitely want to like kind of shock people a little bit. I don't think, not in a way of like just, because it's really easy. What I want to, what we want to try to avoid is just shitting on like the industry and people and just kind of, because it's so easy to do that, right? To complain. <laughs> it is. So how do we, how do we complain <laughs> and then actually have like some kind of 
a constructive criticism, should we say, and then have a bit of fun with it too and be able to laugh at ourselves because everyone's yeah. so serious and PC these days. No, that's great. I mean, we're interviewing uh, Sean Thompson and, he, and you know how mellow he is. And he had a great point. There's more surfers now, but the surf industry shit. So you think about it, there's actually more people surfing with money, um, but the surf industry just keeps taking a dive. You know, it's sad. Yeah, so that's kind of our first two episodes. We keep covering that and kind of bouncing back to that. Participation is the highest it's ever been, but these brands haven't given anybody a reason to buy their stuff. Okay, you've got a lot more competition with streetwear. And, you know, what's really happened is people have stopped dressing like surfers. Like when I was yeah. a kid, I was head to toe in Billabong. Yes. You know, now I might have a pair of Billabong boardies or something like that, but I, I don't identify day to day as a surfer like you used to. I think that's kind of universal, but you'll be in the lineup and people will be, this guy will be a chef or an architect or whatever it is. So, I just think there's, and then on the other side of that, ship product hasn't given people a reason to actually care. Yeah, no, very, <laughs> no, true. Well, it seems like the goal of the surf industry in a nutshell from early on was to make super cool stuff and then completely fucking sell out, like all the way. That was like the goal is sad, you know, like, hey, let's start a company and eventually we'll get a t-shirt in Macy's and then we'll all cash out and go surfing. Yeah, the, I mean, I mean, the business model was basically profiting off posers is yeah. what it was. Yeah, exactly. Sad. It's super sad. Spot on. The non-endemic, right? And surfing, the yes. industry actually got bigger than it should have ever been. It should never have been like, you know, multi-billion dollar industry because it just wasn't that many surfers. But True. much like, you know, Patagonia's, I've been listening to the Business Wars, which is an amazing one. And they've got the North Face versus Patagonia. And the way that they stuck to their values over like 40 years of business and just never waved from what they believed, both even when they got bought by BF Corp, they stuck with like the highest quality goods with the North Face and obviously Yvonne on thing. And that's where the surf just did the opposite. It was a bunch of money hungry surfers. They're just like, how do we cash out and fuck this whole industry? Which is <laughs> I, did. What I, happened. I would say it was uh, <laughs> probably the biggest industry created by people that did not Graduate high school, <laughs> straight up, right? Absolutely. Not graduated high school and then pretty narrow focus, right? Like, because there's surfers and we're all guilty of it. All we can think about is catching the next wave and yes. we'll be, you'll be a mellow guy on the beach and go out and just be a complete savage. So it's pretty one track minded versus like, it's, it's the individual, not the, not the team, you know, or the, yeah. or the group. And that's kind of being the shocker, right? I think. And then also the other thing is we talk a bit about it in our podcast and that is just hiring from within, like it's so incestuous. Like this guy's at this brand and this brand, and now you've got Billabong and Quicksilver <laughs> literally sharing the back office of what Quicksilver used to be. So like, how do you expect anything different? And if that's the case on the inside, what's it going to look like externally? Which is, it's just like a lose-lose, right? Yeah, it yeah, is. 100%. I love the then, nepotism call. It, it is. It's rampant in this industry. You're right. Yeah. And then the other bummer is like, you've got all these, I remember, okay, my first job was at Quicksilver was we... I got there and it was like, in terms of a first job, it was incredible. Like I'd come in at like 10 o'clock, surf in the morning, hang out, do a bit of work, not really working anything in particular, go surf again with everybody, go for lunch. And then we were going to Hawaii or Canada or whatever. But the whole time there was just people there when, because Quicksilver was obviously much bigger and had more money that just, all they did was bitched about like, fuck, Quicksilver used to be so much better. It sucks now. We can't do anything what we want. And I was like, guys, it's still pretty amazing in terms of a job. Uh -huh. Like what we're we getting to do. So everybody's stuck in like yesteryear of like being able to um, just live the dream. And it's working for the industry is still incredible, but it's not what it once was. So how do you get a new fresh generation in there that's psyched and like ready to get their hands dirty and make some real change? That's great. And hey, I'm just going to dive into it because this is going to segue into one of our, our favorite subjects, the WSL. 
So how do you feel about them? I mean, like Cyrus and I have gone back and forth. We've interviewed, I don't know, gosh, multiple people that have either worked for them or are friends with them, you know, some sort of um, association with them. But I'm so, so what, what's your take on the WSL period? That was, that was our second episode. But, you know, they're the necessary evil. Like, oh, we love to complain about them, but how much are we missing them right now? And like, sure, there's like shit that they can do better, but let me tell you, they're actually hiring people right now. Like they've brought on a few more people during this whole COVID thing. And really? Dirk, is still, Dirk is still footing the bill. Like it's crazy. So yeah, that is crazy. That, that's funny because that's my stance on it. Like I always tell Cyrus, I'm like, dude, honestly, when I worked um, uh, doing commentating, I dreamed of what they're doing. And like, that's all we could do. If they could actually have an internet that worked, like, and they actually, you know, like the power went cut out, that'd be awesome. You know, yeah. like super <laughs> fundamental shit. And uh, they, they're doing it and they're doing a great job. Are they a little bit corporate? Sure. Yeah. So the, the issue is, and we speak a lot about this in our one, but they, they're too, so they're too insular. So they've got their, like, if you, so, you know, like if it's, if it's the NFL, the network has their commentators there, right? So they're allowed to be opinionated. They'll pin up, and a football player and it'll be a four foot six chick saying to an eight foot four uh, NFL player, why are you playing so badly? You know, that was a terrible call, this, that, that. So they're allowed to talk shit on the, on the league. Right. Whereas if, if you're hiring everybody from within, it's basically the boys club over there. No one is going to say anything bad. There's no criticism. They're super um, scared of criticism. Um, and understandably they're a new league and there's, you know, they, they don't want to get exposed the holes and that, but, I think they should look at that more as like an opportunity to keep bettering it and actually listen to the consumer. Now they've had a shock of listening to the bitching surf audience on like certain things like the Facebook deal, you know, which is takes money out of their pocket because we mm -hmm. don't want to go online and like just deal with some like, technical issues for the first week or two. And so they, they push and pull in the wrong direction here and there, which they need to get better at being able to just like saying, Hey, listen, motherfuckers, we're losing money putting into this league. It's going to be our way or the highway. If you don't like the comps, don't watch. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I, you know, I, anytime I hear people mention the, the phrase surf journalist or surf journalism, I always laugh. I, to me, that's the most ironic statement ever because there's no such thing. Like, you, you cannot have objective coverage in this sport and it, because of the fact that, like you said, it's very insular. There's only a few people who have control over everything and they don't like to be criticized. And, and the, the issue is, is the industry is so small, right? So like there yeah. was, I was, and it's this one, my favorite analyst guy in podcasts I listen to this guy, Scott Galloway, and he always talks about like the people that got Hitler right were the people that didn't know him. So anyone <laughs> that met him, he was so charismatic. So it's so hard to write and talk shit about people that you know. You know, yeah. you have such intimate relationships with and it's such a small network, you're worried about burning bridges. So it's really hard for everyone to be honest with one another. And then on the other side, you've got like, servers that don't really give a fuck about anyone else but themselves and like you, can see it, you see it going yeah. on right now like i snuck down to i hadn't surfed in three weeks and i snuck down yesterday to hb and i thought i'd surf the cliffs and get away from everyone and try to get a few waves and it's just like life as usual down there the beach was packed probably more than ever it was like a long weekend so no one's even like taking this thing seriously and it's like oh fuck everyone i'm not allowed to surf like what's the matter with our government but it's just going like, hey, let's just sit indoors. Like everybody's going through the same shit, even worse, job-wise, everything. Let's figure out this thing out together. But all right, time to take a quick break to talk to you about True Classic Tees. Super excited about this sponsor for our show. Styles changing, formal wear is out. The T-shirt is in, especially in this day and age when we're all forced to stay at home. 
I got me some of these shirts. They're soft. They're comfortable. They hold up in the wash. And the best part is they're cheap. They're only 15 bucks, and you can get them for even less if you go to trueclassictees.com and use the code at checkout, B-L-E-A-V. This stands for Believe, baby. The Believe Podcast Network, and you get an extra 20% off your order. If you thought 15 bucks was cheap for an amazing t-shirt, add 20% off to that. Just add the, the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. Where are you right now? You said HB. I'm, I'm thinking Huntington. Are you, in, are you in California? Yeah, I'm in Topanga. I live in Topanga. Oh, so, oh yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, my wife's American. She's from Huntington Beach, so her family's down there. Um, so I've spent kind of the last 10 years between Venice, Newport Beach, and then kind of up here now, Topanga, the last year. So you're telling me people in Southern California, more specifically Orange County, are not adhering to stay-at-home orders. They're just not giving a fuck. No, and not Ventura either. Everyone's just surfing like it's nobody's business. You can look at the cam. There's like, go look at HB cam in the mornings. It's like 50, 60 people out and hanging out on the beach and talking. And so, I mean, you can't... And Omar, you... Omar and I talked about this. Like, I mean, one of the biggest hazards with that is that there's only a few specific spots where, where the surf is peaking, right? Where it's actually breaking. So you, how can you possibly have social distancing when you're surfing unless you're in some huge beach break spot when you're all hovering right next to each other fighting for that yeah. same wave? Oh, dog, you're yeah, talking about how people are snotty. To, yeah, to, people have yeah. snot next to you. Like, people are just, like, blowing their nose, spitting, like, just, just waters everywhere. Dude, how is that yeah. possibly hygienic? Dude, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. I got, I got a great analogy for you guys. So, so, and I love the ones too that they get out of the water and then they get in the car and they put their face mask on. Like, dude, like, what, like <laughs> is this going to help, dude? And it, it's almost like that guy that always wore protection, right? And then the one time he didn't, he gets her pregnant or something bad happens. Yeah. And he's like, dude, who did it? Like, uh, to me, that's a similar analogy we have with COVID. It's just like, dude, you, you can do a thousand goods. The one thing is going to outdo it. And, and then it's uh, a big wrong. So I, it's so frustrating to me. It is. And surfers are generally like sheep. You know, if we see somebody out, we'll be like, oh, there's a people. <laughs> we'll just be paddling in like some dead lake. But we'll be like, oh, let's little stop and have a look. Or I'm going to get out there. It's nuts. Let's talk about gambling, baby. It's the root. It's the foundation of sports. And even though there aren't that many sports right now, the folks over at betonline.ag still have plenty to entertain you with. And you can still bet on eSports, American Idol, Big Brother, the elections, the spelling bee. They have a $750,000 poker series. There is still fun to be had. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code my pod 100 bet online your online wagering experts that is the contradiction of surfing and trying to cover it is that in the end dude we all kind of hate each other right I and mean, this is a very selfish sport because we're all fighting for that one limited resource and that's always a challenge right i mean anybody who comes out and puts their name and face out and, and tries to produce surf content you're gonna like at the same time get so much scorn and hatred and I think jealousy above all else because everyone wants to put their finger in this, you know. Everyone wants to make some money off this, but it's a selfish sport, you know. And and it, this is a great example of that. Not giving a fuck and going fuck this. I want to surf. I don't yeah, care about COVID. The pie is too small for everybody, so it causes like you know causes animosity and everyone should just not give a fuck about it. selfishness. <laughs> Like that's it's a shocker. I know we need a change as an industry, and I think if if changes the individual surfers and start going, okay, like 
you know, there's one of the big topics we've been talking about is WSL starting to charge for their broadcast rights. So, they, I mean, essentially, they, they need to turn profitable soon or at least be able to break even. And, yeah. uh, otherwise, this guy is not going to keep funding, you know, 20, 30 million dollar loss a year. So, if we have to and like all band together and pay for a service that we love, so what? Like, you look at the stab comments for they, they gave away electric acid or they charged 10 bucks and people were just like livid. They couldn't believe that something they went and spent $30,000 on wasn't free, you know, for them to view. And right. then just dispose of like this, you know, but you'll go spend 10 bucks on a coffee in Venice or coffee in a muffin. You know, like <laughs> right, right. No, that's a, that, that's a great analogy. And, and um, I'm, what, what do you see next? I mean, for the sport, um, what needs to happen? I'm, I'm curious. It sounds like you have such a, a good in-depth um, knowledge of it. It's just because me and Chad have been talking so much about it the last <laughs> week or so, but it needs to crash and burn and then build it from the ground up. Rome needs to be, Rome needs to burn and it needs to reset the rules. Uh, I think, I think we saw that happening with Hurley um, early on, like before this is pre-COVID with the actual athlete deals. Yeah, kind of resetting the rules because what happened is like the rich got rich, the poor got poor, right? So there was no kind of middle class. And then we've got to kind of band together. So I think the worse it gets, the more that, you know, unfortunately there will be people that lose their jobs and it's no different for us. Like our work's all on hold. So it's the same for everybody. And it sucks that people lose their jobs, but, and there will be brands that disappear, but it needs to, and there needs to be some like smaller brands that emerge and, you know, they'll never be the size they were, but there's no reason that they can't be 10, $20 million surf brands that are successful and operate with good margin and sponsor surfers and events. And so I think it just needs to kind of be torn down and built from the ground up. Yeah, I think it's possible. Is it true about, are you still managing or did you ever manage a Jordy Smith? Yeah, I managed Jordy and Mikey February. So those but, you, two. but not anymore? No, no, I still do. That's so, uh, so Jordy's, Jordy's fa- So Jordy's fascinating because every year, He's a world title contender. I think one year he finished second, if, if I'm not mistaken. A couple it, years, yeah. It, yeah, so a couple years he finished second. So that's damn close. I mean, Joel Parkinson, I don't know how many seconds he had. In your opinion, what does Jordy have to do to get over the hill, to get over the top and, and finally get that world title? He always, he always makes a strong comeback at the end of the year. I think if he started strong, which is quite crazy because essentially like Snapper, Moggs, and Bells are events that he should do really well at. So if he could get that run going a bit earlier to come into the back half of the year with games like Gabe and John, it's just, or even Italo, you know, it's just, it's so difficult because uh-huh. those waves are just so suited, suited for them. Um, so he basically needs to wrap it up by Portugal. You know, that's, that's the way I see it for him. You know, like he, he's incredible at pipe and he's living in Hawaii in that now, but going down a pipe, like you saw what happened to him this year, just started, br- John John was literally standing in eight foot barrels, 10 minutes before, Jordy paddled down and went howling onshore and he loses to Jesse Mendes. He's like yeah. dodging barrels and can hardly take off on a way bigger than six foot. <laughs> so yeah. true. Man, that was a depressing moment. I was watching. That was, that was wasn't it? Kidding, yeah. Yeah. I was like, dude. He's got to do it soon too, you know? He's got, got these young, Jordy's 31 now. These other guys are 25 and 26 and that. And so he's got, he knows the, the time's against him. Yeah, and how does he <laughs> feel right now? I'm, I'm totally curious. Is he, is he like, I'm going again, or is he feeling defeated? I mean, it's kind of like you. I worry that that the same thing that happened to Taj is going to happen to Jordy. I don't no. know. Let's hope not. Yeah. So, so do I. So do his sponsors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we, uh, no. we um, no, he he's good actually. I think the last so it's weird. He Jordy got on super young, and I think he ex- obviously expected to do a lot better and win a title earlier in that, but. The last few years, I think he's really navigated competing and like actually from a bit more, because there was always such raw talent, right? He could be able to beat 
when you the first few years that he was on, he could beat someone like Bead on the shitty inside waves. But what's happened is like the surfing level's gotten so high and there's so many good surfers on that tour now. Unless you mm -hmm. get the best waves in the heat, you can't, you won't win it, no matter who you're surfing against, right? So right. he's had to learn and like strategize and kind of figure out how to navigate a 30 minute heat a lot better now, which he has the last few years. So it's funny, he is and that and people always think I'm saying this just because, you know, it's kind of for the optics, but he's more into competing than he's ever been. He knows like now's the time and he actually looks forward to competing more less than like being nervous. There's no more nerves anymore. He's out of his control. He's a lot more mature now. He kind of, he approaches it with, like, as long as I go out there, leave it all on the table and you know, there's nothing more I can do. So he's not like taking yeah. the losses as bad as he used to. So he's, he is enjoying a lot more now. 10 years doing the same thing over and over 11 is pretty draining. But uh, I think this little COVID thing could be like a great break for him. You know, he's never had a break like this in 12 years of 15 years, you know? Yeah. And the last time we had a stoppage for pro surfing, I think it was 2001 when 9-11 happened. And I think CJ Hobgood got the world title and some, that was a weird fluky situation. So yeah, let, let's root for Jordy. Uh, so tell, what is it like, like, what are your responsibilities being his manager like, and his coach? Are you actually going out there critiquing his style or is it more like, keeping routine i mean tell us about the day-to-day -day. like what does that job entail no fortunately i don't i don't do any of the coaching um he's he works with chris gallagher chris, okay. chris gallagher like about three or four years ago right when i came on there was kind of my one stipulation with george was he needed a coach and he needed to start working with somebody and galley was there and i'd worked with galley in the past and he's an incredible coach so george and him started working together my thing is more everything from his like media and then sponsorship right just managing the relationships because he's getting bombarded by you know he's got five or six sponsors, there's always content obligations, all that stuff. So everything from that to managing. So the deals come around once every three years, right? So just negotiating the contracts. Now, sponsorship isn't like it was probably 10 years ago or even six years ago where you can right. negotiate like these huge deals, right? You start at 500 and you end up at 1.5. The deals are kind of the deals now because that's all the brands can afford. Mm -hmm. So it's a little less than that, but more making sure there's, uh, he can actually deliver what's in the contract and make sure that he's, that everybody's stoked, right? Because there's nothing like you're a small, you're a small brand, like one, you know, futures compared to O'Neill and they're paying him what is a lot of money to them, but not a lot of money in comparison to the O'Neill deal. So they feel like they're not getting love. So just making sure everybody's getting loved and stoked, that, I guess. That's good. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm curious with the COVID that's been the talk um, with a lot of my friends. I mean, what's happening to athletes. Um, I know I'm on the ground roots level. I, I live in Santa Cruz. I know, O'Neill's had to lay off quite a few people, which, you know, is good in a sense because they'll get a paycheck, right? They can file for unemployment. That's more like the super grassroots level. But um, with COVID, how do you think everyone's sponsorships are? Um, I mean, I know, nine, I know like Hurley and that on like 90 days, like no payments. And then that, that'll probably extend to 180. And then, you know, you've read a bit about that force majeure clause, which is like an, a way for these sponsors to get out of any contracts. So I think we'll see that getting used a bit more rip calls on, 50% pay cuts for now. We'll see how that goes. Um, I think it's just, unfortunately, if there's no brands there to sponsor anyone, then, you yeah. know, then there's not going to be anything. So you have to, as you know, even Jordy's looking at it like, you know, he, he reached out to all his sponsors right when this happened, which I was quite proud of him for. And just being like, Hey, let me know if there's any way I can help. So, you know, he's, I can't mention which ones, but a few of them, he said like, Hey, don't worry about paying me for the next six months. Like we can cross the bridge then, you know, and they're not significant amounts of money for him, but it's a big number for the brand. So, He's been doing that for all his sponsors and helping out any way he can because the way he sees it is like he wants to ride for them for the next 10, 15 years of his life, his whole career, right? Um, yeah. Have meaningful relationships versus like how to just get as much money as he can right now. 
That, that's good. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, like you said, there's not that many brands uh, out there uh, doing no. full-on sponsorships and paying the big dollars. So, I mean, it's, it's become one of those industries where, you know, I mean, you, you want to stick with your brands and you want it to be kind of a partnership. Absolutely. And that's what it is. Like it's this, he's known all these brands for, you know, these people, he's got deep relationships with all of them over 10, 50 years. And he's seeing like people that he's known close to the brand that have been there their whole lives getting laid off. So it's very personal. That's right. Yep. And hey, I got a question. This is what I, Braun and I always talk about. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, so just, we're just talking about how uh, pay wise, the industry's gotten super top heavy, even with the athletes, you know, and I, I feel really bad for what I joke um, as myself as being a, a B rate pro. I always, you know, <laughs> the fact that we actually made a living and traveled the tour, <laughs> isn't, it's amazing. I, do you ever just uh, th thank uh, the gods or, or the spirits for, <laughs> for getting that opportunity? Oh, it's insane. I, uh, I, th I, I think about it as like, I almost live my life in reverse. Like I lived my retirement already. So I basically just got to work the rest of my life now. Like what we got to do in <laughs> the traveling circus, that was the QS. And I think about it now and because I have to work hard for you know, any money we make, I go, holy shit, the fact that someone gave me 30, 40 grand to just do whatever. I, like I just wake up and be like, what should we do today? Oh, the waves are shit. You have to play video games all day. You know, for, <laughs> it's, for it's 10, insane. 12. Yeah, it's insane. And then I was speaking, it, I served with Dane and Ventura about, a month ago, just about a few weeks before this all happened. And he was like, dude, I cannot believe how like Jordy, myself, Julian, and, you know, and a few of those, those guys, John, John made out like with the surf industry, like those guys made out like bandits, the, the money that they earned over that and amount Kelly. of time. Insane. Kelly. Yes. Oh, yeah. But even insane. Kelly, Kelly, not as much like John, John's made more money, like in a shorter period of time than Kelly ever made. Oh Andrew's yeah. And, and Dane signed one of the biggest contracts still to this date. You know, he didn't get, like, all, the, he didn't get all of it though, did he? I mean, he's still, is he still in the lawsuit with Quicksilver over that? No, no, he, he got like, he walked away from that. You know, they try to do, I think what's happening, similar thing to what's happening now is like renegotiate and kind of redo it. Same thing what happened with John and Hurley, right? Um, renegotiate the deal because it, you know, it was just too much for them. And then he walked away from that. And then he walked away from a big Vans deal to ride for them 100% and just went and did his own thing. Which hey, that's is, just, yeah, that's he's, he's really is a purist. He doesn't care. And it's, I don't think he actually cares about money at all. Like that's something that he worries about, which is kind of cool. No, I'm, I'm glad, you know, Dane Reynolds to me is always an interesting topic to discuss. And if you're friends with them, I'd love to ask a couple of questions. First of all, the money thing is fascinating because every article I've ever read about Dane Reynolds indicates that his dad is the antithesis of him, right? His dad is like the super pragmatic, you're, you're this unique talent, make your money, do your thing. And he just does not give a shit, clearly. What is, what is Dane doing now? Like, I, like you said, he's doing his own thing. Like, how does this guy, this, this once in a generation talent, I'm still bitter that he basically just decided to say fuck competitive surfing because I feel like if he actually cared, he would be a multi-world champion. So what is he doing now? Like, how is he making money? And what's his day-to-day? -day? Like, what's he up to? Well, he turned out money to go start his own thing. So he started his brand Former, which is, you know, Another, it's a new surf brand that hopefully they can turn into something. But him and Craig Anderson turned out Quicksilver Money and went and started their brand, put their money where their mouth is, and you know put up some serious money for that. And he's running that. He's got three kids and he's surfing, and he's still as hyped on surfing as he ever is. Like we surfed that day, he probably surfed for four hours. I surfed for about an hour and thirty. You know the guy is still in love with surfing as he's ever been. He just competing. You know it's like Mick. Mick said he realized one day coming out of the water after the heat, he didn't care that he lost, and he should probably stop then. And I think yes. Dane just never really cared. You know, Dane's insanely competitive with himself, not others, right? Um, he has so three kind of kids. Growth. What's that? He has three, three kids. kids now? 
twins and yeah so the last like four years he's been pretty swamped in the on the child front he's got twins and then uh, a little boy sammy is it still the same girl courtney yeah it's a high school sweetheart i think wow yeah it's well, cool. that's, that's crazy man i i, yeah. I he, he's always been one of the most interesting characters and in individuals in surfing and, and it just breaks my heart dude he could have been the face of the sport you know, he could have succeeded Kelly and like, he just opted. I get it. I get wh- why he's doing what he's doing. But for someone like me who wants like legitimate superstars representing the sport, he could have been one of them, you know? And, and that was the exact reason he turned on Quicksilver money. They I were know, like looking I at know. him to like, you're going to save the brand. And he's like, how am I going to save the brand? I'm just a surfer. Like the brand's got shitty clothing and like you sell it in Costco. <laughs> like I can't save this thing. I'm like, I don't want that kind of pressure to do it. Like I'm, I'm happy in Ventura doing my own thing and like fucking yeah. hang with yeah, my he's... chickens and my pigeons and my kids and surfing Lincoln. <laughs> I, love, I think it's awesome. That's the epitome of surf. We need more. Yeah, of that. That, those are the characters. So that's, that's the issue, right? Like with surf industries like Luke and the WSL, if you want to go back to that, it's like they bottleneck those characters from like being themselves and really showcasing the, the weird individuals that make surfing so awesome yeah but, yeah, it, look, it, but if you if you want your sport to succeed though you need stars like you need representatives in there who have a mass appeal right who are affable kelly slater for i don't know how many years not decades carried this sport john john florence if he's not surfing out there i don't know who cares i mean no offense to the brazilians all right and you, no, you, mentioned, no you mentioned something at the beginning of this interview and i love it you said you don't want to be politically correct i loathe the pc culture it takes away from genuineness. It takes away from being transparent and honest and forthright. And it's very thin skin. I just don't respect people who are too sensitive to handle basic criticism or even jokes, right? Uh, so, you know, like, so the Brazilian thing, you know, I don't mean any disrespect or negativity towards them, but they don't speak English that great. And they're just not that personable. So there are no stars coming out of that unless you are Brazilian. If you're in Brazil, you're loving this, right? But if you're in any of these Western countries, you know, I compare it probably to Major League Baseball. Major League yeah. Baseball popularity has never been lower. And a huge reason for that, and I've been, I was saying this for years because I worked in sports for a long time, is that the sport eventually got overrun with Latin American players. Again, nothing wrong with that, except for the fact that this is a sport that you have to market, you know? And if your athletes are not speaking English, and if they're not out there making themselves presentable and popular, no one's going to care. And I guess yeah, that's... I, I'd, challenge, I'd definitely challenge that because I think that is on the league's job. Um, I don't think that's the individual athletes. Like, you know, the, you, why the WSL, and we speak about this on our one with them, why they don't have a Portuguese translator for them? Like, hmm. how do you expect to get to know Italo or Gabriel? You know, Gabriel's obviously, he's a crybaby and he does his thing and he's pretty, <laughs> unlike, he's pretty unlikable from an outside perspective. But a lot of these guys are, have big personalities right now. I, I agree, the surf industry, unfortunately, needs American or westernized world champs to grow the industry and the brands, um, which is a bummer. But I do think it's on the WSL to showcase these personalities because all these guys have big personalities and it's not their fault, like, you went to Portugal, you know, you go anywhere else in the world, there's somebody that speaks English and people kind of, no one is rude to you. They kind of go out of their way to make you feel like, you know, help you with directions or order and that kind of thing. Whereas right. we, as Western world, we very much like, you can't speak English, what's the matter with you? Which I think is wrong, right? Like, I think we should, we should highlight them and allow them to, sh- their personality to come through by having translators asking them proper questions. Like, yeah. remember Italo's first three years on tour, like, or first 
you know, three or four years, like the dude couldn't speak a lick of English and he would just basically be like, you know, it's where the whole Stokehead camp came from. Like every time you win a heat, all you could say was like, I'm so, I'm so Stokehead. Like yeah. no one, to, no one <laughs> wants to get a Portuguese translator down there and be like, because they're sitting up in the booth like a hundred yards away and be like, hey, it's a lot. actually like, tell us where you came from. And like, there's amazing stories there that can build the sport. Like these guys came from nothing and relatable right. stories, whatever it is. Like Adriano literally like, you know, grew up in the favelas and like, you know, built his family homes up and down like this one street and like what mm-hmm. he's done in every sense. And like Felipe supports like 15 people. You know, his English has gotten good because he's lived in the US, but the guy's stories are like, they're true life stories. Yeah, yeah. I imagine a lot of the yeah. baseball players is like that too. So yeah, so I disagree with that slightly, but I think it's on the league to showcase those personalities and those performances. No, I agree. You know, you, you look at it too. A lot of, the, a lot of times there are uh, Portuguese uh, webcasters are in Los Angeles. They sit and Brazil, in this party. And- for sure. Gnarly. Like, dude, they work biggest hour shifts. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And they literally but, sit in the cubby down in the studio and, uh, and, they, and they do the webcast remotely, which is crazy. And, and they, so they have, to, they have to adjust to whatever hours they're at. You know, I was talking to my buddy. He does it. And I was like, dude, that's kind of gnarly. He's like, oh, you came. I saw him right after, like, an event ran for, like, seven days straight. Dude, he looks so exhausted. It's like brutal. You turn into a vampire for seven it's days. And, terrible. And then, I used to see Neko Padarats around Venice because he does it on the Portuguese side. And same thing. Yeah. He'd be like sleeping in his car till like 2 a.m. and then getting up to do the broadcast. Yes. Crazy, uh, crazy. So they, like they need throw some, some Spanish, you know, throw some like Spanish or Portuguese like people at the events so they can actually do it. Like flying one person over to help with interviews with those guys that can be yeah. bilingual is, would be huge for everybody. You know, my day job is a professor. I teach students, aspiring media professionals, the rights and wrongs with journalism. And one of the first things I teach them, especially in a competitive industry like the media, is they have to create an account at LinkedIn. And if you're trying to hire someone at LinkedIn, it's got the greatest applicant pool you could find. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. I will say, I Italo, I will say Italo is, is a potential star. I mean, he's a potential star for sure. And, and, and even though his English is broken, I mean, he's a, he's a great ambassador for the sport. I, just, I guess I just feel like Dane would have been the ideal ultimate ambassador, you know, and, and it just bums me out. But again, this is me being selfish. It yeah. is his life. It is his, <laughs> right, it is his right to do what he wants, obviously. I'm just saying for selfish reasons, I wanted to see him be the face and star of surfing. You know, speaking of PC culture, by the way, just one other thing I wanted to bring up because um, if you Google uh, Damian Farrenford, one of the first things that comes up this interview you did on Stab Magazine some years ago, and what like the very first question they asked you is, what is the best moment of some contest? And your response was, Elena Blanchard's bottom turn. I think a response like that is hilarious. Before the Me Too movement. Yes, that, that's, that's, that's the whole point. So my, look, I, I love Me Too. I, I respect Me Too. I get why it exists, why it happened. I mean, to me, the more equality, the better. The more fairness, the better. The less injustice, the better. But with that said, if you say something like that now, your career could be over. You could be eviscerated. So I guess my question to you is, like, do, do you have to go back and clean up some stuff? I mean, you are a very open person, you know? So do things like that concern you or do you not give a shit? I mean, fuck. Like, it's like, what is this? It's like a stupid comment from 
me when I was young. Like if someone who wants to blow up and go off about that, like so be it, right? There's probably worse things about me on the internet. Uh, like if you look deep, <laughs> like it's not like, oh. and, I, and I think that would go with a lot of people, you know? It's, like, uh, it's just, I don't, I don't understand a lot of that. Like I don't like, would I say it now? Obviously not, I'm married and have a wife and a, a child coming and a bit more responsible with what I say in that sense. But fuck dude, it is what it is. Like it's, yeah. it's stupid. Like, I'm with you. That's that's your worst thing, I'm in. It's fucking rad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, and and like, let's not let's not deny that she built an amazing career, not she was oh, qualified as a yes. great surfer, but having an amazing body and her sex appeal. So like, yes, she was, she was. And I was probably got asked that by Derek when I was drunk. Um, <laughs> actually, for sure, I think I can actually remember it in Newport on the roof at the Rusty House during Fourth of July party. I think when you asked I, me, I'm like, I think it's funny. Yeah, it's it is. It's funny. It's, I, you know, but again, it's just we're in this climate where, like, you know, all it takes is one person to, t- to be so offended, right? It's all about, like, I feel offended. Like, fuck your feelings. Who cares? But all it takes is one person, and sometimes the shit explodes, and it sucks. I, yeah, we just live in a tattletale world now. You know, everyone's a tattletale. <laughs> and, like, it's just like, that's California. California is, like, the king of the tattletales. Like, Chad and I were just talking about um you, you know that app next door right and i get like the email blast yes we live in topanga which is up in the mountains and one of the neighbors i saw like this not my neighbors but somebody's neighbor was like i can see our neighbors walking outside without masks on who should i phone and report them to and that's kind of the culture like we all feel like our opinion is like so valuable and this and that no one can have a proper conversation anymore it's it's insane so yes it's it needs a big reset i think the world needs a reset and hopefully this COVID thing i i doubt it but we can come out on the other side and be a bit nicer to one another and actually be a bit more straightforward and not so precious about everything. Cause it's like, <laughs> like we're seeing now there's bigger things to worry about than fucking yes. what somebody yes. said in 2012, you know, like it's that same shit as Kevin Hart getting kicked off the Grammys. Yes. Saying like yeah. Oscars. He'd be yeah. his kid with a dollhouse, like Chappelle's Chappelle's version of that. And like how ridiculous it sounds is perfect. Right. No, hey, Absolutely. 100%. You know, I know it sounds cheesy, but it's like we're all we're in this together. And I mean, if, if you have blood in your body, you're dealing with COVID. Hopefully when this is over, we'll loosen up and relax. And, no, but um, no, I, I did what Damien's saying, though, is that is that this crisis is, is, is kind of readjusting our priorities, right? Whereas like before this happened, people care too much about such minuscule bullshit things. Whereas now I think we're kind of like, we've got a new perspective, right? On what actually is important in this world and making an innocuous comment that a few people might get offended at suddenly is not such a big deal. And and I'm with you. I hope, I hope this maintains. Exactly. And hopefully they can, and hopefully like exactly this whole thing, you can go like, okay, Hey, we really appreciate the WSL. Like maybe if they need us to pay or like, let's actually support them and not just shit on them. Like, you know, and, and yes, They've got to be called them up for their bullshit here and there. And there's uh-huh. a lot of it. But like hopefully as a surf community beyond just the, the bigger picture, we can actually like support the brands that are still around, like go to the surf stores, spend money in the stores again, buy wetsuits, don't hassle your shaper for five bucks off, you know, 50 bucks off. Like just give them some money, like actually band together and stop being a bunch of selfish bricks. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a great, great point. I mean, and, and even zero in on, on California. It's like, yeah. it's like when you travel outside of California, you're like, wow, people are saying hi to each other. It's kind of strange. <laughs> it's nuts. Absolutely. It's making me feel awkward. Hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah, this is the most distant, unfriendly culture for sure it's in this so country. It's so weird. It's yeah, it's so strange. Yeah, it no, is. it's nuts. And we're like pretty, we pretty lucky over here. And I think if we all just realize that, then we can help it out a little bit. But who knows? Probably just be back to normal in two weeks. Or once it's over, two weeks later. Well, May, I think realistically, I think May, middle May. It, I don't. I just don't think the country is going to stay shut down. I think at a certain point, the country is going to be like, "Fuck it, we're done." 
If the hospital yeah. is going to overrun, so be it. I mean, it's just, it's, this isn't going to maintain. Uh, Chad, Damien, uh, be- yeah. We were just talking this morning, same thing. Like, we, we agree. Like, eventually, just like, hey, just go about your business, wear a mask and gloves, and like, do what you're going to do, right? Like, yeah. If you're going to be in the offices and that, it's just after a certain point, it's going to have to be, but we'll see. God, I'm losing my mind right now. Like, I, I'm losing my mind because. I was very OCD to begin with, right? Like, to me, I don't want the cold. I, like, get that shit away from me. I don't even want fucking sniffles. And, look, dude, I'm wearing gloves, touching every package that comes in. I'm losing my mind, dude. It sucks. But, hey, Damien, oh, uh, uh, before we let you go, man, promote away. I mean, you're you're on Instagram. You've got a solid following there, dude. I believe you can follow Damien Farrenford on Instagram at Duma's Rumors. Uh, that used to be, like, your moniker, dude. You used to be a great shit talker online. I remember yeah. you. <laughs> so good. So that's kind of where – so Serve Center, we've still got a bit of that uh, with Chad and I. So our business is Free Radicals. That's what we do. <laughs> We're kind of a consultant agency that does nice. everything from, like, insights and strategy to content and stuff like that. So – that's kind of our approach with all to surf center and bringing our insights and making sure that there's like some kind of usable information behind what we're saying and not just completely <laughs> opinion based. And, you know, and you know, I think the first, our first few episodes we recorded, we were listening back and we were trying to sound too smart. So we kind of have gone, fuck it. Let's just have a bit of a more opinion in there. Um, so trying to find that mix right now, but yeah, just, uh, I don't think there's not a big fan of self-promotion. But I'm going to learn to right. do it because uh, <laughs> I'm the fucking raddest by my shit. Oh, love it. Love it, dude. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. You can wait weeks for a technician to do a messy install that costs a fortune, or you can get Simply Safe, the two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award. Go to simplysafe.com/team today and you'll receive free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. You're home all the time right now. Why not feel safe while you're home? Go now, and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash team. From Simply Safe and all of us here, wishing you safety and good health. Well, well hey, good thanks stuff. so much for coming on, dude. We'll yeah. have you on again, and... Uh, Bron, we love you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bron. How's Bron doing? Shit. Oh, I know. Well, he's probably doing, he's, probably, he's always doing great. First of all, people people don't understand this Bron reference. Bron Houston stands a former pro surfer who now owns the network that you're listening to, uh, Believe Podcast Network, and and he has us on. I do. Bron's always killing it. I. He's fine. Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> you can't look. You can't look like that and be where he's from. Exactly. Like exactly. <laughs> the guy looks like a Greek god, man. He's fine. Uh, million, million dollar smile, dude. <laughs> yeah, he he's made for like uh, what's that show? Uh, like million dollar listing or something like that. Preppy <laughs> <Yes, laughs> style with that, but I love Bron. He's love awesome. Uh, he's, been, he's been like pushing me to do this for a while. So thanks to Bron for doing uh, it. But uh, yeah, well. We'll have to we'll have to all do it together in a room. You, me, Chad, Omar, and uh, you, Cyrus. When uh, we all when all this shit's over and we can actually hang out in person, and drink some beers, and have a big oh. group talking shit episode. That's right. That's right. Only if drinks are involved. Game on. <laughs> Absolutely. Last one, gents. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you, Dave. I miss drinking with my friends, man. Let's do that for sure, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I, yeah. I really do. All right, brother. Thank you so much, Damien. All right, take care. Later. Cheers, guys. Take care, man. Later, brother. Later. Wow, and his podcast is called Surf Center. Oh, dog, you doing good, man? You holding up? I'm holding up, dude. Three kids in the house, dude. Living the marbles, but it's all good. (laughs) So so what's the deal? I I saw it before we left. I know you got to go, man, but I saw in this email exchange, you said Santa Cruz is reopening their beaches, like now? 
Yeah, they reopened yesterday. Um, I took my son surfing on like this. I, I tried to get him away from everyone, like a little inside spot. Um, but dude, it was heavy. There's a, a good 40 people out again. It What's the like, rationale for opening now? Like why they I, open so soon? You know, I was talking to some friends and I guess um, like it, it's up to the chief medical officer, which is so interesting because, you know, you don't know much about this person and this person's making massive decisions yes. for huge areas. It's kind of like nuts. I mean, that's the person on the ballot where you're like, I don't know, that name looks cool. Not, not to, you know, but that is, <laughs> you don't know a ton about him, right? Right. So that person's decision. Like literally, what I don't know. What is she thinking? It's a it's a her in Santa Cruz County. So you know, I don't know if she has a spreadsheet or if she's I don't I have no clue. Or she um, surfs. Yeah, or she surfs exactly. and she just wants to surf. Exactly. You know. So so like yeah, is she weighing mental health versus like dying coronavirus. Like are right. People, you know. Anyways, there's so many factors. This is so new for everyone. Um, I you just want to get through it and then hopefully, yes. uh, you know, I I really. I, I, I felt like I read, I've read a lot about this and my dad is from the polio generation. Yes. Stuff strikes every hundred years. Everyone's like, Oh my gosh, this is happening. I'm like, dude, like, come on, bro. Like it happened like a bunch before, <laughs> like a lot, you know? And I just really, really hope that as a human race, we decide to figure out what to do when this happens, just what to do. Like, come on. Well, like, well previous minute. Previous administrations did, did. prepare I what know. to do. I mean, I, it, I, I have my criticism of George W. Bush as a president. Compared to Trump, he was actually okay. He says <laughs> a lot if you think about that. But even W. started a whole pandemic preparation team yep. and a plan. Yep, true. True. And then Obama added to that. And then what does this yep. fucking idiot do right when he gets into office? This fucking this orange trust fund, baby. He gets rid of all that i know and his, I know. And his logic is business is business it's like that's why business and government are not synonymous they do not they they do not coalesce like you you have to treat government very differently because there's a huge humanitarian aspect to it for, for reasons like this yes it is 100%, crazy 100 well uh, like i said let this be a lesson you know and and, yeah. and let us be united in it globally like that. yeah that's that's all i want to say yeah, the, you know, the polio thing is fascinating because I just watched this interview with uh, Melinda Gates, uh, her and Bill Gates, you know, they were on the biggest philanthropy in the planet and, and their biggest cause is, uh, is controlling diseases around the world, is health. Yes. And that's their yes. number one thing is, is they, like they're on the verge from this interview I just watched, they're like 99.9% .9 at that point where they've gotten rid of polio. The only reason why it's not 100% is because there's still a few like war stricken areas like Afghanistan yeah. and various parts in Africa. So they can't get to these places to fully eliminate it. But if you put the effort, you can. You can actually control these diseases. No, to you know it's so sad though. Do you see? Every I mean, the, for me, I and this is my opinion. That's why I don't want to get too into like full-on hardcore opinions. Yeah. But have you seen how they're getting slammed out there? Like, oh, he owns part of um, Microsoft, which owns uh, video chat, and yeah. he owns part of Allergan. Blah blah blah. And and I'm just like, dude. Like, like my feelings with that. So as you know, my history as a person, I grew up around engineers and physicists. That was like my upbringing, right? It was my yeah, dad well, hanging that, out talking. Well, that's why you're the, you're the exception to the rule of being college educated. That's why like, I never worry about saying those kind of things. Dude, you grew up with your dad's a professor. You, yes, went, you yeah. traveled the world. I mean, you, yes, you are very educated. You're very smart. Yes. So what I'm saying is that like, and I don't think people, I, I, people that aren't around that type of person, I don't feel that they understand that like, 
like the way physicists, engineers, like one plus one equals one. There's no gray area in there. So like I feel, this is my opinion, when Bill Gates is trying, he's, he's hyperly focused on, on uh, like a formula or, or finishing his, you know, like a lot of them, their whole life is dedicated to one mathematical problem, correct? Right. right? A lot of like my dad's friends and, you know, that was their whole life. They just want to get to the end of that. You know, they're not thinking about money most of the time. I mean, I know- It's research. A, they're yeah, finding truth. Yes, they're trying to find the answer to a, a, yes. a question that is a, 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 a hypothesis. They're trying right. to confirm a hypothesis, correct. Right, which is more than money to a lot of physicists, a lot of engineers, is more than the, that's their ego. You yeah. know what I mean? That, that's what they're, is their literally endorphin high, is, is, is solving problems like <laughs> right or create, yes. i don't know anyways but that's just my opinion yeah you know? no i think your, is your yeah. point like is your, i'm guessing your point is listen to them right fucking listen to them yes dude. they're yes. fucking dedicated their lives to trying to fix shit <laughs> solve, solve problems like you know yeah. whether it's it's scientific or mathematical you know, like, I don't know, but, but they're the experts. I mean, no, they're them. the experts. You're right. Listen to them. I'm, I'm with, by the way, you said one plus one equals one. Just it's two, obviously. Oh, two. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you're on a riff. I, I, I yeah, I've yeah. done that before too, where I don't even hear myself saying these things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, see, that's just, why I'm not a physicist. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is, yeah, you're, I mean, I, I hope you're uh, from an economic perspective, you're okay. Cause individuals like yourself who are in sales and you're in your income, is largely based on commission and you live in a place where the stimulus that was issued to everyone or is being issued to everyone in your case that is nothing like that is not going to, to help you that much right so i hope you're okay man i, I hope you know i hope you and we'll people in your situation yeah make it i mean this is realistically though i mean what i'm looking at here and for people listening right now middle of may everything's gonna be open the question is whether or not people are going to be comfortable enough to actually right. go to these restaurants and go back out. I'm not. I'm going to hide until summer, man. I might go to a bar. I might do the bar thing just because I'm so desperate and so alone. <laughs> and I, 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 you know, and I, and I miss seeing some, you know, just doing social interactions and stuff. But right, right. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. I don't know what's going to happen long term, but yeah, we'll we, see. Yeah, we'll see, man. I, I honestly, yeah, it's just, I'm, I think I'm losing my mind, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're going surfing. I haven't even, I haven't even done that yet. I'll, I'll probably go soon, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think realistically, you know, and, and once again, that's when I feel like just listen to the numbers. I mean, once, uh, you know, every governor has his own opinion. Yeah. It's just, it's, you could go, you could go on for hours with this stuff. It's insane. Yep. So I just hope for the best, you know, stay safe, everyone out there. And, you know, hopefully um, you can find um, some happiness. Listen to our bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Damien was fun, man. And uh, when you go on his show, have fun with that as well. I'm sure they're gonna he's gonna bring you on soon. Oh, All right, diggity. Okay, brother. We'll we'll chat. Love you, man. Dropping yeah, in sure. over out, brother. <laughs> <laughs>